I've got some mind-blowing knowledge for you today. Your incredible body is made up of a mind-boggling 30 trillion cells, and you know what? Each of those cells is begging for minerals to function like a well-oiled machine and keep you rocking that awesome life of yours. But here's the shocking truth. Research reveals that a whopping 70% of people are seriously lacking in minerals. Why? It's all thanks to lousy soil quality, subpar diets, and not-so-stellar lifestyle choices. And let me tell you, being mineral deficient isn't a joke. That's because mineral deficiency zaps your energy, weakens your immune system, and opens up a can of worms with countless other health issues. Now, get this. The soil we rely on for growing our nutritious plants is as barren as a desert when it comes to minerals. And those plants growing in that sad excuse for soil, well, they're deficient too, and so are the animals munching on those plants. So when you consume those plants and animals, you're right there in that deficiency club too. But hold on, no need to panic. I have a game-changing solution to tackle mineral deficiency head-on and supercharge your cells to reach their maximum energy potential. And it's as easy as changing how you start your day each morning. My friend Dave Asprey personally crafted Danger Coffee to effortlessly increase your energy levels and give your body the mineral makeover it craves all in one steaming cup of joe. This stuff will take you to your highest level, a bold way of living like never before. And when you're firing on all cylinders, you'll show up in the world like a total rock star. Let's be clear, Danger Coffee isn't some kind of miracle potion, but it is, however, a powerful tool to help you take on stress, squash anxiety, and obliterate those pesky nutrient deficiencies. So are you ready to kick things into high gear, leading a life of pursuing greatness and becoming a better version of yourself? Whether you're an athlete, entrepreneur, artist, parent, or a partner like my Eric who adores coffee, it's time to fuel every day with a mineral upgrade. To try Danger Coffee, use the link I'll post in the show notes. And before I forget, use my discount code Dr. Gray and you'll score a sweet 10% off your order. When's the best time to take care of your health? Be preventative 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, you get to hear from Dr. Edward Griffin. Our topics are silver and copper. This is part one of a two-part series. In part one, he'll share the history and science of silver to support the immune system, healing, and regeneration. In part two, he'll share the history and science of copper, how important copper is for bone and joint, hair and skin and nail, cardiovascular health, and energy and metabolism. You will hear how this company's products are truly safe, pure, and effective. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Edward Griffin, MD, who graduated from the State University of New York with a bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in math and statistics and went on to pursue his naturopathic doctorate from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Tempe, Arizona. He spent four years teaching the general education program in an ultrasound and magnetic resonance imaging program in Phoenix, where he developed his passion for education and teaching. Dr. Griffin's own health challenges led him down the path of nutritional healing through naturopathic medicine and dry his passion for helping others on their personal quests for optimal health and health sovereignty. Welcome to the show, Dr. Griffin. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. This is great. Uh, do I call you Dr. Gray? I'm not even sure how that. I'm not picky. You can call me Stephanie. I don't care. <laughs> okay, perfect. Dr. Gray. Stephanie. <laughs> I never got hung up on titles, but then some people say, you know, you paid for that. Maybe you should use this. <laughs> I say the same thing as I was Edward for 
so many years before I became Dr. Griffin. So I've been Edward all my life. Right. Now, Dr. Griffin is just something. So it's, it's all good either way. But again, I paid for that degree. So I may as well use that thing. And I occasionally use that doctor when I need to. So right. Pull it out when you need to. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you mentioned in, I guess I mentioned in your bio that your own health challenges led you down this path. So I'd love to have you share your story. Like what got you so interested in naturopathic medicine? The story starts out with, um, I, I'm, I was raised in the standard American household, pretty much, is I grew up, you know, mom, dad, I've got a brother and a sister. But in the Western pharmaceutical model is that if somebody was sick, you gave them a Tylenol or the NyQuil or you gave the drug. So for years, that's how I was raised. And with the standard American diet, that's the other big problem here that we can talk about with longevity. But when I was 18 and I went off to college right after high school, that's when my health issues started. So it started out, um, I went to college and was diagnosed with several things right away. So um, my first semester at school, I got sick. I came home for Christmas break. And it's the last time I remember feeling well was Christmas time of my first year of school. I was diagnosed all at the same time with phlebitis. I had a blood clot in my leg colitis. So I had an ulcerative colitis. Mm. I had non-viral hepatitis Yikes, and yeah. mono. Wow. You're all sick. at the same time. Yeah. It was a real shock, but that's where my journey began. But I did the pharmaceutical model. I did everything I was supposed to, or all the things that the guys in the white coats told me to do. Sure. And it was still from about uh, December of that year until I think it was about May or June of that year, I actually had to drop out of my school that year, and it took me some time to recover, but I had to drop out that semester and then get back into school. And so I never heard of naturopathic medicine. I never thought about the alternative type field. And it wasn't until quite a few years later. So went through my, you know, back into school, got my associate's degree in general studies because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I finally ended up going back to school as a psych major. So I was a psychology major. I was going to be a counseling psychologist. And then one day in one, uh, all the time dealing with ulcerative colitis and going to all the doctors that they told me to. And it wasn't until um, one of my classes in my psychology uh, degree mentioned, uh, we were watching a video, you know, when they used to wheel in the carts and the TV on the screen. Now there's TVs in every room, but they wheeled in this cart. And the instructor, and I can picture her, but I can't remember her name, but she put up this video and we watched it and they mentioned the word naturopathic medicine. And it was actually a story about this woman that had cancer that then started seeing alternative doctors for treatment. And that's that word naturopathic medicine. This was about 2000, 2001 that I had first heard this term. So it was early age of the internet. And so I didn't even have a computer at the time. And I went back to my dorm. My roommate had a computer. I spent the next 12 hours uh, from three o'clock in the afternoon, I think till three o'clock in the morning, research everything I could find about naturopathic medicine. And once I found it, it was that light bulb moment. You know, you've got a few of these in your life where all of a sudden it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my calling. Yeah. Exactly. When I was a kid, my dad was an EMT and I always was interested in the medical field. But once I was diagnosed with colitis and I went from doctor to doctor to doctor without any help, I'm like, I don't want to be one of these guys anymore. 
And that's where I kind of switched to the mental health side. But it's when they mentioned the mind-body connection that I really got interested in naturopathic medicine. And that's what drove me to naturopathic medicine. And then going through naturopathic medical school, then more, you know, was the domino effect, one thing after another, leading to actual liver disease. Um, The disease is primary sclerosing cholangitis, which is secondary often to ulcerative colitis. So I had ulcerative colitis for almost 10 years. And then that led me into needing, well, at this point, I'm in medical school and just starting my third year of medical school, I'm told that I need a liver transplant. Oh my gosh. Because my liver is failing. So my goal in medicine is to try and reach people and heal people before they need the extreme that I needed. I truly believe at this point in my career and in my life, that I had, if I had met somebody like me about mm-hmm. 10 years sooner or even five years sooner, I could have changed the course of my prognosis. Absolutely. So, yeah. So from ulcerative colitis leading into primary sclerosing cholangitis and mm-hmm. ultimately a liver transplant. You had it. Um, yeah. So Yeah. I did end up with a liver transplant and wow. actually complete proctocolectomy. So I'm actually wow. missing my whole large intestine wow. as well. I actually had signs of dysplasia in my colon, and that's what led me to the transplant. And sure. they won't do a transplant if they have any signs of cancer, and dysplasia is the early forms of cancer. So as soon as they saw that, they're like, well, now it's chicken or egg. You can't have a transplant unless we take out your colon. So suddenly I'm like, I guess my decision's made. I'm going to die otherwise. Right. And so, yeah, um, what they call it is the MELD score. M-E-L-D is the Mayo Clinic End-Stage Liver Disease Score. My score skyrocketed. It went up so fast. And I was about 30 years old at the time. So I'm 30 Mm. and needing a liver transplant and have this history of ulcerative colitis. Holy smokes. And I wish I had met somebody like me at least five years sooner, if not Uh, 10 years. Those things make me so angry. I haven't I've had a moment like that in my life, too, where it's like, why didn't I know about this five years sooner? But we can only move forward. We can't go back. So what are what are we being taught and what is the exactly. gift that we're being given that we can share with the world because of it? You know, so now you're yeah. educating. Excuse me for the listeners. I have a bad cold. If you can't tell, I have a cough drop in my mouth. <laughs> so if you hear that jostling around, I apologize. But now you now you can share your story like you are sharing with us today. So exactly. And I used to use I would use myself as an example all the time when I was talking to whether I was talking to students when I taught or now the people that I educate about both silver and copper when I'm talking about it is I wish I knew this years sooner. Mm-hmm. I found it, but I found it too late. Let's help you now. Right. And um, we, we talk, you do the longevity protocols. And the one of the first things I always tell people, and this is kind of interesting, is I ask people, I ask patients all the time is, if you haven't heard this before, I think it's amazing. And it, it kind of old light bulb moment for me is when's the best time to plant a tree? Always? I don't know. <laughs> well, usually the first thing people say is, well, you plant a tree in the springtime spring, when they're yeah. going to grow. And so I get people with springtime or, oh, in the fall, so it can be dormant. And they always try to explain to me. I'm like, wait, it, it's kind of a rhetorical question. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Because <laughs> you want a big tree, not a little tree. Right. You want a tree that can provide shade, can provide wood, can provide all kinds of things. But if you didn't plant it 20 years ago, you can't go back and plant it yesterday. You can't do it 20 years ago. 
But when's the second best time to plant a tree? Today? Right now. <laughs> Don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Right now, plant a tree. Because you can't do it yesterday, but you can do it now. Now, the second part of that is, when's the best time to take care of your health? I'll go back to 20 always. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you yeah. need to be preventative 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Now. Right now. Mm-hmm. Don't wait till tomorrow to start the diet. Don't wait a week. Don't wait till, oh, I'll start on January 1st, my New Year's resolution. Start today. And it's not about being perfect with your diet. It's about being better. Yep. It's all about baby steps. Start one step at a time. I can tell people how to eat perfect. I can tell people what supplements to take. But if you throw that on somebody all at once, they're not going to be able to do it. So it's really about baby steps. Can you cut out? The first thing I tell people is cut the crap. Carbonated beverages, refined foods, artificial and processed. Cut the crap is what I tell everybody. That's the place to start. I like that. And you can't do it yesterday, just like you can't plant the tree yesterday. But start today. Cut the soda out or cut back on the soda or cut back on the refined foods, shop the outside of the grocery store, all those little things. And I think that's very basic naturopathic medicine or very basic health in general is how to eat healthy and how to take care of yourself. But I think it's so important to get that idea out there and get that idea across. Yeah, no, good advice across the board. Yay. Thank you for sharing your story. We love your company. We've carried natural immunogenics Argentin 23 Silver for over a decade now, I think. It's just been a very useful product with several applications. And I want to get into all those applications so the listeners know. But first, I think we should start kind of just defining what is silver. So the topic topics today we're going to dive into are silver and copper. But let's start with silver. So kind of what is the science and history of silver use in medicine? Why is it beneficial to us? Perfect. I think that's a great place to start. And we start with our presentation here. Um, If my screen is being shared right now, we're all good here. So we start out with this with the general persons. We always say that this is for educational purposes only and forbidden to share without written consent from natural immunogenics. And like I introduced myself, but I think uh, Dr. Gray did an amazing job. I am a naturopathic doctor licensed to practice in both Arizona and Vermont. I've been a nutritional health coach, educator, a healer. I'm also a musician. And really, I'm just a human being trying to survive on this crazy planet we call Earth. And I like to talk about that is, I think we started in the beginning, is Dr. Griffin has only existed for a small portion of time. But I've been a human being. Actually, I consider myself a human doing rather than a human being. Mm. I'm a human doing things. I'm not just being, I'm doing. But I'm trying to sort through the information just like everybody else out there and figure out facts from fiction. So I'm really about the science and what's going to happen with it. So great segue there is why silver, the history and the education. So we start out with silver is naturally found in our diets. It's found in natural waters. It's found in breast milk. We pass it along mother to child. All mammalian milks contain silver, trace amounts of silver. I was surprised to know that when you shared that with our staff. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's so amazing from the natural water. So spring waters, Mm -hmm. ocean waters, all contain trace amounts of silver. And I believe the number is 0.1, according to the EPA, in our drinking water. So in municipal water sources, you can have up to 0.1 milligrams of silver in your water. So just any normal drinking water. 
because it naturally is there. So there are traces of all kinds of elements in there sure. that do have some medicinal effects, but it's all about being in the right form. So from mushrooms to wheat to seafood, all kinds of places that it's naturally found in our diet. The history, we've been using silver throughout history. We go as far back as Hippocrates. The father of modern medicine talked about silver and promoting it for wound healing in his writings. In the 1300s, we talked about the during the bubonic plague and the term born with a silver spoon came out. Born with a silver spoon was a sign of wealth, but also a sign of health. The people that ate with silver utensils or babies that had a silver rattle and chewed on it or licked on it mm -hmm. were less likely to get ill. So that's where we got the term born with a silver spoon. And even back again, 400, 1300 BCs and ADs, ancient Greeks and Romans put their water in silver vessels. They didn't know why. We didn't understand microbiology. We didn't understand about these silver particles, but putting it in a silver drinking vessel stopped it from growing algae and the water tasted better. So what they did, they were doing medicine without even knowing it. Sure. And then think even about some of the uh, anecdotal history, like a wishing well. Why would we throw coins into a wishing well? Silver, copper, gold coins all have medicinal properties. So we throw it in and we wish for good health. And then we drink the water out of that well and we get those microscopic silver particles. How about even folklore, like werewolves being shot with silver bullets? The Lone Ranger, Hiho Silver, the horse. Yeah, yeah. So, so many places throughout history and even evidenced anecdotally about silver. Jumping into the 1880s, silver nitrate. Soldiers, even World War I and World War II, they carried a vial of silver nitrate for a wound. So it was antimicrobial, but also sped up the wound healing. And also in the 1880s, silver nitrate was put in the eyes of infants to prevent infections after birth. The 1960s jumped into silver being the standard of care in burn units from silver sulfadiazine or silvadine cream yep. is what we do. And all hospitals worldwide use silver in dressings. NASA started using silver in a filtration system in the 1990s. So for water filtration, which this is interesting because the company Natural Immunogenics was founded originally the founder, Stephen Quinto, started by looking at a water purification for a pool in the 1960s in France. Hmm. And so using a silver copper filtration system is how the whole idea of this got started. And then it wasn't until people came around in the 19, I think it was 1998, he started really putting towards creating sovereign silver. And then the 2000s, we find silver all over the place from hospital linens to catheters to IV lines all those things that I mentioned already, and now even in dentistry. But um, dentistry is where silver got a little bit of it's a bad reputation because of the amalgam fillings. Yep. So it wasn't the silver that was the problem, but it was the mercury that was the problem there. So as much benefit as we were getting from silver, we were losing it from mercury. And that's where we started hearing about mercury poisoning. So it wasn't the silver in dentistry causing the issues. It was the mercury that was in dentistry. Okay. And uh, and one of our uh, one of the brothers, uh, we are a second generation owned company. And one of the brothers, uh, they, he loves to say that we are the only metal in non-metal dentistry. So we work with biological dentists yeah. and we are this the only metal that biological dentists use. So it's so important to have it 
in dentistry, as well in medicine in general. One of those brothers is Seth, and that's who that's who I met in an elevator in Las Vegas at American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine Conference like a decade ago, who he said, hey, have you heard about my company? And just pitched me in the elevator and he carries your products ever since. He was a good salesman. I'll say that. <laughs> the brothers are so passionate about this and how important it is taking down their father's legacy to how important silver can be and bringing it back to where it should be used in medicine. Up until the 1920s and 30s, silver was standard of care for all doctors. So it wasn't until Rockefeller and the changeover that happened in about the 1920s and the 1930s, the creation of the AMA, the pharmaceutical industry. Antibiotics, yep, yep. Is where it all started. So absolutely mind-blowing that we have taken this away from people. And that's where we talk about health sovereignty. It's about your freedom to choose what's right for you, not just necessarily what the industries are saying or what the AMA says, because they're not always right. I love that. Why don't we use something that has been used for thousands of years? Instead, we use something that's been on the market for a couple of years, and we don't know the true effects going forward. Right. Totally agreed. Well, share with us how silver works. So what are the benefits? I mean, you've shared some of the uses in modern medicine, but what are the benefits? So we love to use the science. And so we're talking about silver in general right now. So immune support. So it supports what this is kind of my summary slide here, supports the white blood cells. It can help manage something called a cytokine release. Um, This is both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. It supports that response to reduce the inflammation. It can be antimicrobial. So we're talking about viruses, bacteria, fungus, all scientifically shown to silver to kill these things off and to support normal health. Being an antiproliferative, it can actually stop the proliferation of abnormal cells. Neurological impact, so important, and I'll go into a little detail with each of these going forward here. And then that healing and regeneration, um, we already mentioned Hippocrates talked about this 2,400 years ago about how silver can promote healing. So I think it's so important to look at our ancestors and how they did things even before modern medicine came about. So with white blood cells, so accelerating the maturity and activation of white blood cells and controlling inflammation. So it does, it helps support what the white blood cells are already doing. Also increasing that ability to track and intercept those harmful microbes. It also promotes this reactive oxygen species, which is a body's biological natural disinfectant, and then also increases the B lymphocytes and produces antibodies. So it's really supporting everything to do with the white blood cells and supporting our immune system. So it's so important that it's not fighting against or weakening the immune system, but it is supporting the natural immunity that's going on. Not suppressing, supporting. I like that. Yeah. And I think that's huge because a lot of times, like if we think of a lot of the drugs, think about a steroid, think about a, an NSAID is we're suppressing the body's normal reaction. Natural response, why, do we, yeah, yeah. why do we get a headache? It's not because we have a lack of aspirin in our body. It's because we're dehydrated because we've got, it's our body's signal telling us that something's wrong. So instead of just covering up a symptom, why don't we fix the problem? So supporting the immune system as opposed to shutting down the immune system so that we can just continue about with our day and cause more damage, let's 
fix the problem. So support the immune system, don't harm the immune system. So it's so important there. Uh, the cytokine storm thing is something that I think people have gotten afraid of. It's been a word, it's been words tossed around and nobody in the average public doesn't know what it means. So what is a cytokine? A cytokine is simply a chemical in the body and we have both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. So a cytokine storm is when your normal system goes out of control. So we get too many of these pro-inflammatories and they start attacking our own cells. So silver helps this by working at the point of foci. So we got this picture of the lightning strike in the storm. That lightning strike is the point of foci, is where the damage is happening. If you've got something going on with your sinuses, put silver towards your sinuses. You've got something going on in the ear, put it in your ear. You got something on your throat, put it in your throat. We have a topical gel, silver. Think about with burns. If it's something happening superficially, put it on that. And point of foci, so wherever it's need, shut down those pro-inflammatory cytokines and increase those anti-inflammatory cytokines. Silver helps as an antiviral. So I, I'm going to say it's more virostatic. I'm not going to say antiviral. I'm going to say it's virostatic. So what happens is the correct form of silver will actually bind to the outer coating of a virus. So viruses cannot replicate on their own. They need a host cell. So what happens is silver coats the outer portion and stops it from attaching. Now it becomes virostatic. If it can't attach, it can't replicate. Once it's attached, it now starts to disrupt the outer protein coat of the virus and will actually start working its way into the virus. And whether it's an RNA virus or a DNA virus, attaching to the DNA or the RNA and rendering it unable to replicate, now making it virucidal. So we go from being virostatic to completely stopping replication to virucidal. And this is really important by repeated dosing. Now you get ahead of the viral curve and you can stop it. Our bodies are constantly bombarded by toxic substances every minute of every day. The average U.S. adult will encounter over 100 toxic chemicals before they leave their home every morning and potentially come into contact with thousands more before the day is over. These chemicals are found in everyday things like hair products, food, clothing, furniture, drinking water, basically in our environments. Once inside us, our body does have the ability to remove them, thankfully, but this process is not perfect. When the body gets overwhelmed and can't keep up, the toxins pile up and don't leave our bodies. This can leave us feeling tired with brain fog, hurt our livers, and throw off our hormones, just to name a few. So, what can we do? For my patients with excess toxic burden, I recommend supplementing with a high-quality binder like EnviroBind from Your Longevity Blueprint. EnviroBind contains a combination of zeolite clay, shila heat, and activated charcoal. These raw materials in combination have the ability to naturally bind to toxins like heavy metals, organic compounds, mycotoxins, which are toxins from mold, and other unwanted toxic compounds. Typically, this is recommended to be taken on an empty stomach as to not bind beneficial nutrients from food or supplements and is usually used in the short term. Use code BIND for 10% off EnviroBind at YourLongevityBlueprint.com. Now, back to the show. Let's talk about dosing here because I remember you saying how important this is. Like, dosing and frequency really matters with viruses. So, this is all great information. And I want to get into dosing again at the end, but it never hurts to repeat kind of how to take this for viruses. So maybe we'll tangent to that real quick here. Perfect. Yeah, the tangent is no matter what you're taking, it's about the repeated dosing. And it's, I call it the Goldilocks zone all the time is silver 
can have detrimental effects if it's the wrong form, but in the correct form, in the correct dosage. Uh, the other thing I frequently say when I'm talking about these things is everything can be both a poison and a cure depending on dosage. You can actually die from too much water, just like you can die from too little water. Same with many other things. So too much silver in the wrong form could be detrimental, but it's about a trusting a company that's making it, trusting the product and the safety, the efficacy, and the purity are very important when it comes to silver. So that repeated dosing, so a lower dose, but more frequently can get ahead of the replication curve. And I'll repeat this a little bit as we go on a little bit further, um, just to kind of get into it a little bit more. So sure. that antiviral, so binding, disrupting, and entering into the host cell, very important. Similar with the bacteria as well. Um, and this one is pretty amazing. I, I love to see this little video of how it moves around. But silver now is going to, in this solution here, is going to get to this bacteria that's traveling around. It's got, you're going to see this start to slow down. What's happening, silver is attaching and starting to work its way in, stopping the cellular respiration. As this guy slows down, what's happening here is silver is working its way in. It stops cellular respiration. And here you can see how it's punching holes in the cell wall and actually lysing or breaking apart the cell wall. Yeah, cool. That's how we kill off the bacteria. And so what's happening here, and some people may experience a slight burning sensation when they first take silver if they've got bacteria. What's happening is the potassium is higher on the inside of the cells, where sodium is higher on the outside of the cells. And so the potassium burn is what you're going to experience if you've got pathogenic bacteria dying off. So I think that's something always to note there. Yeah, yeah. So, and so similar to viruses and bacteria, fungus are the same way. But the interesting thing about fungus is in their cell wall, they have a sulfur in their cell wall. And silver has an affinity for sulfur. So silver loves sulfur. Interesting enough, this is how your body gets rid of silver is silver sulfide bonds in the liver. So I'll talk more about that in a moment here. But again, silver now attaches to that, that sulfur in the fungal wall, adheres to that membrane, rips apart the cell wall, initiating that cellular toxicity and death. So it just basically tears apart the wall, renders it unable to replicate. And if you tear apart the wall, it's going to fall down and die. All right. So Viruses, bacteria, fungus, amazing for all these things. Uh, we, I mentioned the anti-proliferative. So silver can actually inhibit the spread of abnormal cells. So silver is highly cytotoxic, even to triple negative breast cancer cells that are non-toxic to malignant breast epithelial cells. So it's this stopping the replication again. What is a cancer? A cancer is something that is just growing out of control. So if you can control the out-of-control growth, that's where we support it. And now I'm not saying that silver cures cancer is the treatment for cancer, but silver can support the anti-proliferation of these abnormal cells. Okay, so pretty amazing how it does that. Uh, the next thing I jump to is how silver plays a role in the peripheral nervous system. There are actually two receptors on that myelin sheath. If we remember the white part of the axon there is called the myelin sheath. There's actually two receptors that silver can attach to on there. So showing how important it can be in the nervous system. And 
just as a comparison, silver has the highest electrical conductivity of all of the metals. Think about silver solder that's in your cell phone, that's in your computer. Why do we use them? It's because of that electrical conductivity and that increased transmission. So whether we're talking about central nervous system or peripheral nervous system, silver can support the electrical conduction within the body. And oddly enough, this is my belief on how it helps also with wound healing as well. The next one here, silver promotes and accelerates tissue healing by up to 33% and can reduce scarring by up to 80%. This is by partially by controlling the microbes and controlling the inflammation, but then also supporting de-differentiation and re-differentiation of the new tissue that is migrating to the area. So instead of forming these fibroblasts that become scar tissue, we're de-differentiating and re-differentiating the stem cells in order to form more normal cells. So we're not getting the scarring that happens typically. Again, also that cytokine reducing the inflammation, the inflammatory cytokines and promoting those anti-inflammatory cytokines. Um, is you're getting this amazing reduction. And I, I told a story recently is uh, back in April, my wife's aunt came down to visit us and she had about a couple of weeks before she came down, she had actually dropped the lasagna out right out of the oven, dropped it, Pyrex shattered, but it splashed up onto her leg. And she had a, a patch about five or six inches on her leg. And when I saw it, it, it had already been two weeks, but she hadn't taken care of it. And it was, Purulent. So it had pus and it, it wasn't scabbed over. It looked pretty open. And I looked at her, I'm like, what did you do? You know, as soon as I saw this, and I'm like, as soon I grabbed silver and I started putting silver on it in a week's time when I saw it about we I showed her how to do it for herself. And within about a week, it was almost completely healed over. I mean, there was still some redness and it was still fresh healing tissue, but within a week's time, it was absolutely amazing. I watched this thing heal in front of my eyes. That's awesome. We use silver on, on wounds as well. We recommend that for patients. I kind of a side note here. My father just had a hip replacement surgery and he had like 30 staples on his hip. And you know what I haven't used topical silver on is like on another metal like staples. Like if the staples weren't there on an open wound, I like I've used silver liquid or the gel. But is there any interaction or even with those staples there? Can you use a topical so let's talk a moment here. <laughs> I mentioned my medical history is um, just about two months ago, I actually had another surgery. So I had something else going on and mm -hmm. I had staples in my stomach. Yeah. As soon as I was out of surgery and uh, there were no uh, other medical professionals in the room, <laughs> my wife had some silver with her and I opened up my dressing and immediately put silver, put silver on, on there. Yeah, I figured it was probably safe, but I thought this is a great, you know, um, time to ask you. <laughs> Definitely a great time. So I used it personally oh, while staples, I still yeah. had staples in. And I was using a combination of our of gel, a silver gel yep. and a silver spray. Yep. Um, silver works best when it's wet. So as the antimicrobial and the healing is when it's wet and that leads to that electrical conduction. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely amazing that as it's wet, how it can be supportive and when I went to get my staples taken out, the plastic surgeon that came in that was actually pulling them out looked and he's like, wow, this is healing amazing. And then I started telling him about silver and he's like, wow, we need to look into this. I'm like, yes, yes you do. Yes, you do. Yes, yeah. Give me a call. Here's my card. And let's talk about this. Yeah. 
So yeah, awesome. definitely with any wound, even with staples still in, believe the staples are stainless steel typically. They, they sure look like it, but yeah. And so is it's not going to interact with stainless steel. And actually, if you're spraying it on and using it topically, very minute amounts actually get absorbed. It stays topical. And as it dries out, it actually turns into, I believe it's silver oxide as it oxidizes, but it still has that antimicrobial effect there on the surface. Cool. So so important, but yeah, definitely I would use it with any surgical wound. Uh, we actually, we work with, um, uh, we just had them on a podcast not too long ago, a person that did microneedling. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah, And did a little bit of microneedling and she uses a combination of silver with a little bit of copper in it, again, to promote that collagen formation. We'll get to copper here in a little bit, but silver to promote that healing effect. Yeah. So absolutely amazing is it's, reduce the microbes and yep. support the healing. It's interesting you say that it stays pretty superficial just in that. So with my son, I had pretty bad mastitis. I had lots of complications. That's a whole nother story for another time. But I feel like it dramatically helped mastitis. I mean, anytime yes. I had challenges, I would just put that silver on. Not only was it cooling, so just the cooling was therapeutic right. on the on the hot, you know, mastitis, kind of on those yep. lumps. But I just feel like silver was a game changer for me. It was so helpful. Yeah, I think it's so important. And we just mentioned how it's passed from mother to child, too. And that's yeah. enough. Now you're also getting it to baby again. Right. And you're supporting the immune system. So it's yeah. not about hurting or suppressing. It's about supporting, supporting. the normal immune system. So yes. I think it's so important that it supports, does not hurt. And we like to say it has side benefits rather than side effects, like a lot of other things out there. I like that. Can we also go into how your silver is different? Like, do you consider this a hydrosol? Like, kind of talk about the potency and then also talk about how it's eliminated from the body. Perfect. Well, let's start with the elimination from the body. And sure. what I try to do and to stay because we are a supplement company. I'm trying to stay yep. within Deche. And you'll notice how I say things. I'm talking about silver. I'm not talking about a specific product yet. So silver, um, very amazing in the correct form, in the correct amount, is easily eliminated from the body. So putting it in the mouth, taking it orally, where most silvers, colloidal silvers are taken, is you're going to put it in the mouth and swish it. The importance of swishing it is the mucosal associated lymph tissue, as well as the capillary bed under the tongue. So you're absorbing it directly to go systemically. Once it's there, it's now in the lymph, it's in the blood. It ultimately makes its way, like everything else, to the liver to be cleaned. And this is where silver binds to sulfur organic molecules, typically in glutathione. This is phase two glutathione-dependent detoxification. Silver binds to sulfur, forming silver sulfide bounds. And then this is how it's eliminated from the body in solid waste. So in as little as two to three hours, we begin getting rid of silver in our fecal matter, peaking between about six and nine hours. And in the correct form, the correct dosage, you're eliminating almost 100% within 24 hours. So the fear of toxicity of the correct form, right. correct type of silver yeah. is unfounded. That's awesome. So that's yeah. I'd say that that's again. That's what's really important. <laughs> and jump into the next piece is silver does not affect the liver's ability to metabolize other compounds. So or medications. So very important. But I will say is with things like if you're taking a glutathione supplement that has sulfur in it, back to that silver loves sulfur. Um, some of the older antibiotics actually contain sulfur. Yep. 
MSM as a supplement, glutathione as a supplement contains sulfur. So it's a sulfur containing food supplement mm -hmm. or medication. It will decrease the potency of silver a little bit. So if you're eating a lot of cruciferous vegetables, if you're eating a lot of eggs are also sulfur containing, that will actually bind up some of the silver. I typically take it away from food or take it away from other medications or supplements just to make sure that you're not causing any side effect, but really just a decrease in potency is what you'd experience. Sure. Should um, we go so, to dosing when you were kind of saying the correct form and the correct dose? It, it used to be for every hundred pounds of body weight, one teaspoon. Typically, um, so the average person, this is where we got some of the averages from, was yeah. an adult was considered a 150 pound 50, person. Sure. So, okay. What they considered. So, what we have on our labels is one teaspoon, uh, one to three teaspoons for short term. For a 150 pound per, person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for sure. that 150 pound person. So, if you think about sure. somebody that's 100 pounds, you could probably go a little bit less. If you go even smaller, like as a child's dose, think about, we do this with all kinds of medications anyways, is body weight dosing yep. is going less for somebody that's much smaller. But yep. think about the, also the inverse. If, if somebody's a lot bigger, more water, more cells, you need more of some things. So somebody that is 300 pounds, 400 pounds, I, I always compare is, I always say is the 100 pound gymnast or the 350-pound football player can both be adults, but can use different dosages. Right. And now think about that even for food and for other supplements as well is we used to say, let's, let's talk about water for a minute. We used to say eight, eight-ounce glasses, which is great if you weigh about 128 pounds. So it should be about half your body weight in water, in ounces is mm -hmm. what we should be drinking. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be doing at least 50 ounces of water a day. But if you weigh 300 pounds, you should be doing at least 150 ounces of water a day because it's proportionate. Also, look yeah. at our hands is the other thing I like to talk about people when I'm talking about nutrition is what's a serving size of something. Look at your hands. That's proportionate to you. That's so good. It's so important. So um, they often they used to say the size of a deck of cards was a serving of meat. But a serving of meat for that 350 pound football player, look at his hands. Yeah. Compare yep. to his hand, they're gonna they have more cells, they have more muscle, they have more mass, they need higher more requirements. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So totally. think about it that way. And it's all so proportionate. You know, it's very proportionate whether we're talking about water intake, meat intake, um, vegetable intake, even is what we should and shouldn't have based on body weight. And same with Silver so, or silver intake. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when we talk about silver, I know there are a lot of myths out there. So can you help us kind of overcome some of the biggest, I would say, myths, especially when it comes to safety with silver use? Yeah, that's what I like to get into right here is talking about the big three when it comes to silver and the safety. So the big three myths that to overcome. The first one is this thing called argyria. It's the bluing or graying of the skin. The next one is that silver is toxic or is a toxic heavy metal. And the last one is silver harms the beneficial bacteria of the gut. So the first warning here is that argyria. So argyria is a very rare skin condition, but it's benign. There, it's only a cosmetic, it's only aesthetic, um, where you get a accumulation of silver underneath the skin. And I compare it almost to tattooing. So 
Think about a tattoo. You're injecting ink under the skin. With Argyria, what happens is you take silver internally. It gets trapped under the skin as you go from an artery down to an arterial, down to a capillary, into the microscopic vasculature. And that's where it gets trapped. So this is if we're talking about a silver salt or a silver protein. And that's, again, the importance of the type of silver that we're talking about. And the warning is don't make your own at home. So if you're making it at home, you're making a solution or a colloid, but you don't know the size of the particles. You don't know the consistency. You don't know the strength exactly. The only way to test is if you're testing parts per million. And typically, uh, there's a really cheap kind of uh, test for that. And you put it in and it tests the total dissolved particles. But is that silver dissolved or is there impurities? Are there impurities in your metal or are there impurities in your water? So that's what's happening there. So is it becoming a silver salt or a silver protein because of the impurities? This picture here is great because it shows how you can see the agglomeration, how it comes back together. So even if it started out in the right form, as it sits, it can often come back together. And that's the danger of making your own at home. Um, even though you can do it relatively inexpensive, but trust a company that is making it and has been doing it for years. It's funny you say that because back to my dad, I just, I'm, I'm very blessed to have been raised in a family who was always a little more progressive and thinking ahead. And as a kid, my parents, primarily my dad, made colloidal silver right before your company right. existed. Yep. No, he no longer does that. <laughs> you transition the family to the safer alternative, but it's just funny because there people literally do 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 that, and yeah. there are well, safer options. So don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't do it anymore. And most people know about this guy named Paul Carrison, who uh, he he did the talk show circuit in the nineties, two thousands, but he was drinking liters of homemade colloidal silver, and then even rubbing it on his skin. But he looked like a Smurf. If anybody remembers back to the Smurf cartoons, he had bluish skin and he had this white beard. So they called him Papa Smurf. But he was making his own at home. And he is one of the very few reported cases of Argyria that are out there. But the dosage he was doing and again, the wrong form. Right. So Matters, this is yeah. where we also get into where less is more. And I mentioned the Goldilocks zone previously. So our sovereign, the 10 part per million versus a 23 part per million here. And that's that repeated dosing that we were referring to. So by going with a lower part, so the lowest observed adverse event level is very important to talk about here is 980 micrograms of silver. So typically they say safe level is about 350 micrograms. So at a 10 part per million, you're getting 50 micrograms in a single teaspoon. So taking seven a day gets you up to that 350. So for the listeners, not, we're, we're looking at a table right now where he's kind of sharing the concentration. So if it's a 10 part per million or 30 part per million or 50, and then based on if you're taking one teaspoon or up to seven per day, what microgram dose per day you're getting. So that's what he's seven. explaining. Yeah, yeah. Up to yeah. seven per day, you're only like less than half of that adverse event level. So that's the importance of taking one that is lower. And then the other thing is with Argentin. Here I go again. It's okay. You can mention both. So for the listeners also, (laughs) obviously we carry at our clinic that I would say the professional strength, Argentum 23, which is 23 parts per million. There is another, his company also makes um, a version called Sovereign Silver, which is available over the counter that you might see at natural grocers or just like over the counter, basically, if I remember right. 
That's correct. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so now he's talking about the 23 parts yeah. per million, which is what we carry in office. Yeah. So even at, at a 23 part per million, taking it up to seven times per day, you're still below that lowest observed adverse event level. So the Goldilocks zone is somewhere between that 10 parts per million and up to about 30 parts per million. Sure. That's that safety zone. Yep. Uh, I hear about other people on the market with the 500 part per million or the 250 part per million, a single dose, and you're already in that lowest observed adverse event level. So it's so important to take that low dose, but repeated dosing because you sure. want to get ahead of a replication curve. Yep. Or I also mentioned that silver works best when it's wet still. So when it's wet, it's now going to be the most active. So that's why it's so important there. So that argyria is kind of a myth. If you're, I mean, if you're making your own, it can occur. Uh, if you're taking way too much, it can occur. But it's very unlikely if you're taking within a safe dosage. And that's what we talk about is how to take it safely. Um, the next one is that, tox that silver is a toxic heavy metal. So we know that there are many heavy metals out there that are dangerous, even poisonous. So we hear about mercury and lead and cadmium, aluminum, arsenic, tin, nickel are all things that we know are heavy metals that have no use in the human body, but actually have these side effects and cause toxicity. But there are many heavy metals. So is silver a heavy metal? Yes, silver is a heavy metal, but so is iron. We know we need iron in our body to carry oxygen. Copper, selenium, chromium, magnesium are all considered metals. So just because they're a metal doesn't mean that it's dangerous. So just because it's a heavy metal doesn't make it dangerous. There are beneficial metals and there are toxic metals. So it's the difference between toxicity and beneficialness. Uh, the last one is that silver harms the beneficial bacteria in the gut. So unlike antibiotics, I hear people say this all the time, is that silver is nature's antibiotic. Literally, antibiotic means against life. I don't like that. Silver doesn't kill everything indiscriminately. If you take an antibiotic, it kills everything. And that's why we happen to have these things called opportunistic infections. So we kill off the bacteria, but now the virus can over-replicate or the fungus can over-replicate. Antibiotics work with bacteria only. They don't work with viruses. They don't work with fungus. So if you go to a doctor and they prescribe you an antibiotic when you've got that sniffle without knowing it's a bacteria versus a virus, it won't treat a viral illness, which are a lot of flus, a lot of colds, a lot of things going around are actually viral and not bacterial. So this is why we've developed antibiotic resistant bacteria is we've been giving them when they're not needed. And now we've got this antibiotic resistant bacteria happening. So silver helps to, um, there's actually studies showing that even at up to 2000 times this EPA oral reference dose, that silver does not affect the biodiversity of the gut microbiome. So it's got the pathogenic and the, and the good bacteria and it drops them equally. So it's no different than drinking water. So very important there. The other thing about a lot of silvers, it's the positive charge of silver is drawn to most pathogenic bacteria have a slight negative charge. So that positive of the silver is drawn to a slight negative of a pathogenic bacteria. The other way that bacteria actually protect themselves and become resistant 
is a biofilm. When they create a biofilm, that's how they protect themselves. But that also has a slight negative charge. And that the silver is drawn to that slight negative charge and can break down even a biofilm. So I think it's very important to kind of point that out, the antibiotics and what is happening. And silver is not an antibiotic, but an antimicrobial. Yep. That's wonderful. Our bodies are naturally designed to handle stress, detoxify chemicals, and preserve cell function. But when the burden increases, those naturally built-in systems can't keep up with demand, and we start to experience physiological changes in our bodies. What causes that burden to increase? Unfortunately, a whole list of things, including common modern lifestyle habits like poor dietary choices, lack of sleep, abundance of stress, exposure to chemicals, and exercise extremes, just to name a few. To protect ourselves from this oxidative stress, our bodies are forced to use up stores of the master antioxidant glutathione, and this works for a while. But when those stores become used up, however, our body doesn't have enough antioxidant capacity to protect itself, allowing the stress to our body's systems to cause lasting damage. That's why I recommend many of my patients take glutathione daily to help protect their natural reserves, support full detoxification capacity, and help keep their immune systems functioning at full strength. Use code glutathione for 10% off at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, back to the show. Let's move on to applications of silver. This has been wonderful. So much information. So for the listeners, how can we use it? Earlier, you said like, Per foci, put in your eye if you have eye problems, in your ear if you have ear problems, whatnot. So can you break down? There's just so many applications of this. So many applications of it. And what I like to say is we need this almost on a daily basis. So it's not just taking it when you're sick. Can you take it daily is a question I get all the time. Taking a teaspoon up to three teaspoons daily, holding in the mouth, swishing and swallowing it. You're getting systemic, again, supporting your normal immune system. We are exposed to things every day. Every time we're talking to people, shaking hands, breathing air, we're exposed to bacteria. So it's so important to support your immune system every day. So not only by taking silver, but also cutting out the inflammatory foods. So think about all of those pieces I mentioned earlier, cut the crap. (laughs) C-R-A-P, carbonated, refined, artificial, processed. Cut it out of your life and support your normal immune system with something like silver. We jump into eye health, so a drop to two at the point of foci. Even a fine mist spray in the eyes can be helpful to support normal health, support the white blood cells. Because you can even use this on your animal. So now my vet has given me antibiotics for my dog's eyes, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. I think I'm just going to use silver. You can do the spray, or if you can hold your dog still, you can drop it in their eyes, but it works wonderful. My yeah, dog goes to doggy pets. daycare and gets eye boogers. And yeah, yep. exactly. That's the medical term is eye boogers. I use that all the time. <laughs> so my sister actually got a cat recently and it had the eye goo. Um, I don't, I didn't test it. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but we took a, a fine mist spray and sprayed it in the eye. And just within a day or two, it was gone yeah. and cleared right up. It was it's amazing. amazing. Yep. Um, some pets do not like that noise that the sprayer makes. So sometimes it's easier to take a dropper and just drop it in the corner of the eye and then kind of roll it in can be helpful. Same with kids. A drop in the corner of the eye is great. Ear health problems, again, putting it in the ear, uh, affected ear up and then filling up the ear canal for, you know, 30 seconds to a minute is absolutely amazing. Nasal health. This is one of my favorite uses. And I I mentioned I might have been just before we went on 
Recording. Since I have a cold, you were rem reminding me I should be yeah. using this up my nose. Yeah. <laughs> using a nasal spray. So I like to say this all the time is when we're around people, we talk about hand washing and how important it is to wash our hands. Why don't we wash our nose? We're breathing air from people sneezing and coughing all the time. Why don't we rinse our nose? So a sinus spray helps to decrease the mucus or thin the mucus and allow it to come out. Why do we get mucusy? We get mucusy because our body's trying to get something out. So thin the mucus and get it out, as well as rinse or wash your nose. We wash our hands, wash your nose too. Um, jumping into respiratory health, this is the other thing that I mentioned to you too, is uh, nebulizing. So if you put water into your lungs, we call that drowning. If you nebulize a fine mist, get it to the point of foci. If you've got that chronic cough, that chronic thing going on there, how do you stop it? Get it to the point of foci. Get it into the lungs where it can be very supportive. So nebulizing up to a teaspoon at a time can be very beneficial. And again, I always recommend repeated dosing. Uh, the next one is mouth and gum health. So holding it in your mouth and swishing it. I, I got a great story about this one, too, is I was at a dental conference. Uh, they were teaching dentists, talking to a bunch of other dentists. A dental hygienist came up and says, wow, I love you guys. You guys are the sovereign silver people. I'm like, well, today we're Argentin, but yes, <laughs> is we have a professional and a retail side. And she's like, I love you guys. I had a patient that came in with seven millimeter pockets. So that's pretty severe periodontal disease. Came back about three to four months later, and they were down to threes and fours. And she's like, oh, my God, what did you do? You, that's amazing that you've healed that well. Think about the healing properties of silver. She was swishing with silver two to three times a day and took from seven millimeter pockets down to three millimeter pockets. So absolutely amazing. The healing and regenerative effect, again, that electrical conductivity, speeding up the healing is so important. Throat health. Think about, again, point of fossa. You got a tickly throat, spray I have been throat. doing that. I have been doing Gargle that. Gargle <laughs> it. Yeah. Stomach health. Taking up to an ounce at a time, repeated dosing. Again, an ounce every 15 minutes, an ounce every half hour when you're not feeling well to support the normal system and be antimicrobial. We have an intestinal health protocol that we love to tell people about. The ounce of silver along with an ounce of aloe. Think about gut health. How many people today, I tell people all the time when they come in, it's like, how do you know I've got a gut problem? I'm like, are you an American? <laughs> you a standard American diet at all? You've got a gut problem. So I think it's so important to work on that gut health, but not only healing up, not only killing off the bacteria or the pathogenic bacteria, but heal the damage that's already there. So from there, how about female health? Adding in that female health. So holding it internally for up to 30 seconds or up to 20 minutes. So yep. five minutes up to 20 minutes. So I, I'll interject here. I use this a lot with patients. We call it an intravaginal installation where they use a syringe. If they purchase the silver in our office, we'll give them a big syringe so they can actually drop the silver and instill it vaginally and yes, retain that. So the silver on hopefully on contact will kill whatever's growing in there. It's great for yeast, for bacterial vaginosis, whatever's going on down there. It's been very effective for our patients over the years. Absolutely. And I'd love to hear this from people because uh, is I haven't seen a lot of that. So is but I know of so many practitioners that are using it that way. So I love it that you can respond to that. So I tell people about it all the time, but I haven't personally seen it. So it's like, <laughs> I, I love hearing that. I don't do a lot of women's medicine. So. <laughs> 
traveling, uh, I take this with me everywhere. I take my nasal spray with me before I get on the plane, while I'm on the plane, after I get off the plane. I just got back from Arizona and on my flight back, the guy next to me is hacking up a lung. I'm spraying my nose every, you know, 15 minutes just to make sure I'm not getting what he's got going on. So no, it's funny. Um, and then, well, it's funny you say that. I have another story there too. So I, in 2020, I took our whole team down to Dallas for a training and I had gifted them all little, you know, eye masks, earplugs, and a little, little mini bottle of silver. And so we were all cheersing on the plane and little did we know we barely made it back because that's when COVID hit <laughs> before right. everything shut down. So thankfully we had silver in our system. Nobody got sick, but it was just, amazing. It, yeah, everyone was looking at us like, what are they? They're taking shots on the plane, <laughs> right. taking shots of silver. Yeah. No, we snuck our own liquor on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually just at, um, at a, school and did a vendor fair and there's a picture of me and I, I've got several students all around me we're holding up shot glasses <laughs> and it, it's sovereign silver so it's yeah it's yeah. interesting yeah we're, we're taking silver shots <laughs> yeah we joke about it all the time so uh jumping into the skin health um think about skin anything topically we just talked about sutures we talked about all those issues anything where wound healing is required but how about dentistry even so halitosis as a mouthwash, uh, silver has been approved by Health Canada as a oral mouth rinse. So Canada Makes is sense. actually ahead of the U.S. in some ways. Periodontal hygiene. I mentioned this periodontal story, but we have dentists using it. Again, we are the only metal in non-metal dentistry. So I think it's so important to talk about how silver is so beneficial in all of these ways. And like I mentioned before, so many references. All of these have uh, some information behind them. We're not just making this up. We're not just using anecdotal. We do have the stories of things that we've used it on, but there is information to support all of these claims that we're talking about here. And I think even back to just women's health for a second here, silver is safe to use when pregnant or nursing. I think that's huge because there are many times when you're sick, you can't take certain herbs or whatnot when you're pregnant, but you can take silver. So just remember that also for the audience. I wanted to make sure we highlight that. Well, we do list on our label, it's got to be ages four and up and to consult your practitioner. So, but I gave it to my son. Yeah, talk to me. I, yeah. <laughs> talk to Dr. Gray and she can make recommendations. So, exactly. exactly. Uh, very important to follow up with your medical professional about it and uh, do take that medical advice. So I will say that. So lots of applications. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. Perfect. Wow, the benefits of silver are truly unlimited. There's a reason this has been a top-selling product of ours for over a decade. Its positive charge is drawn to the negative charge of bad bacteria. It's helpful against not only bacteria, but viruses, fungus, and supports your immune system strongly. It's so helpful. Remember, it's very important to use it at the point of foci. As Edward said, if you have a sinus infection, spray it there. Sore throat, use it there. Ear or eye infection, apply it there. Or of course, for rashes and burns, use it topically. It can be used safely and effectively, but you must choose a high quality company. You need the correct form in the correct amount. We have references again to support everything he mentioned today. And lastly, let us know if you have questions and reference this podcast for 10% off silver or copper at the clinic for a one-time purchase. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. 
One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.